This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. thank you for this moment in time. We thank that you're in our midst. We thank you for your goodness to us and the days gone by. We thank you for the truth of your word and we pray now, Holy Spirit, you would take your word, you would speak to each heart, that you would plant their seeds, that you would guide and lead us and that your presence would be manifest in us. We do pray that you would be lifted up in all things, Lord Jesus, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Amen. One of the hardest things to do is, is for Christians is to live a godly life. Um, we're all saved, but to live that sort of godly life, particularly the world around us, is looking for godly people. And so many people, and it's an excuse, of course, to say, oh, that church up there or that person, they've done that and done this, and they sort of let the side down because uh, they're not living a godly life. We're given instruction in, uh, in Titus, and it says this, Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteous and godly in the present age. So that's a challenge to us, to live godly in this age, which is a hard thing to do with all the negativity. But that's the challenge for us. Of course, to live a godly life means we have to be Christ-like. And obviously it was a lot easier to be Christ-like, you know, 2,000 years ago when Christ was with you. But Christ is no longer with us in bodily form. But he did give us some words when he was about to leave this scene of time. And in John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So, of course, this is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And again, Jesus said in Acts 1, verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. So Jesus isn't here. We have the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, the challenge for us is to live by the Spirit. I'm going to ask Tony just to put our text up on the screen today. And I'll see it if it comes up. It is uh, Galatians 5, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So it's not just a case of having our salvation. There is a walk in the Spirit that will produce the godliness in us. I do like the Amplified uh, Bible. And again, Tony's going to display it um, in the Amplified Bible, this verse. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, we're saved. Let us go forward walking in line, our conduct are controlled by the Spirit. So here we have it. We have to live our lives by the Holy Spirit. Of course, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, there's challenges in life. We all have to deal with who we are. But this is what we're commanded to do, to walk in the Spirit. And that is what we are going to have a think about today. 
If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and I'm picking up about verse 14. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that is evil present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of the sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Can you see a problem here? Can anybody identify with this? So basically what Paul's saying, and this is the great apostle Paul, he's saying, there's things that I want to do, and I should do, but I don't. And then there's things that I shouldn't do, but I do them. Which is basically sin, you know. And I think we can all identify that there's times when there's things that we should do, which we don't. And things that we don't do, that we should. So how can we deal with this situation? Of course, you know, the struggle is real. We all do this at various times, and we have all got different battles to face, and, you know, what is for one may not be for another. But it's still the same for each and every one of us. The flesh, as we say it, is what is really the issue here. It is the problem. It is the inward man, or the, um, the old man, whichever way you want to put it, but it's basically the good that we will do, I do not do, and the evil I will not do, that I practice. We know the flesh that is within us has a tendency to do the wrong things. Um, Galatians 5 verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So this battle that is within us, now, people maybe say, oh, it's the devil made me do it, and you know, maybe that's true in some circumstances. But ultimately, a lot of what goes on, the sins we do and the things we don't do, is because it's our choice. It's because it's our inward nature. It's because of the flesh within us. It's the, the old nature. So this is the challenge. How do we deal with this? The works of the flesh you know, in Galatians 5, to spell it out, some of the things which the flesh will, will breed in us. Galatians 5:19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousness, outbursts of wrath, 
selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, evil, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we know that God takes sin very seriously. So we have a, a, a real imperative to deal with the inward man. Romans 8, verse 8, makes it very clear. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the times when our nature descends into the flesh, you've got to think, is this bringing about the godly life? Of course, the answer is no. Contrast that with what it goes on to say in Galatians 5, what is the work of the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Now, I'm sure we'd all like to say, that's me every time. Yep, that's us. Every day of the week, I'm full of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm that godly person. But we know it's not the case. We know we do the things we shouldn't do, and we don't do the things that we should. Paul sums it up as in our reading, and he says... O wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know, he actually said, this is, a, this is a major problem, this sort of fighting going on between the flesh that wants to do the, the, the sinful things and the good in us that does want to do the good things. You know, but thankfully for Romans 8. So just after we read that conflict that Paul was talking about in Romans 7, he goes on to say, Romans 8, 1 to 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So there is a victory. There is an overcoming of the sinful life because Jesus dealt with the sin and it's now our responsibility to take up and walk in the Spirit. We can't win this battle and we've sung about it this morning, about the victory that comes from Jesus. Ultimately, you know, we can try and be good people. We can try all, you know, self-help to be better people. But the victory that gives us the foundation to walk, to walk in the Spirit comes from our Savior. Amen. His victory over sin, his victory over death, his victory over darkness, that is the bedrock that allows us to stand and know that we can be free from the power and the control of sin. So a few verses that, that, that really echo this. Romans 5, verses uh, 12 to 21, if you want to follow. Romans 5. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For in until the law was sin in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. 
But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgments which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. For as by one man's obedience many were made sinners, of course that was Adam's, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, Grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to the eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what a foundation for victory we have. Now, of course, having that victory, you know, we still sin, <laughs> but we have to build on that victory. Again, going back to Romans 6, verses 1 to 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even though we also should walk in newness of life. For if having been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So in the battle between the old man and the new man, between the things we don't want to do and the things we should do, we're no longer slaves to sin. Jesus has taken the victory. It goes on again to say uh, a few more verses here just on it. Romans 6, 12 and 13. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should bed in its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves as being alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So don't let sin win is what it's saying. We have the victory. We don't have to let sin, we don't have to let the old man, the ways of the world, win in all we do. Of course, we are, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, a new creation. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, for anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Galatians 5:24. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there is a victory, but there's a responsibility. It says, those who are in Christ 
have crucified the flesh. Right? So Jesus has done the hard work, as it were. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has got the victory. There's that sin within us that allows us to live in the Spirit, but to walk in the Spirit, there's a crucifying of the flesh. Now, does everybody want to do that? <laughs> Is there some of the flesh we sort of like? You know? Is there a challenge here that we take up? Um, but again, you know, if you're trying to do these things just on your own, you know, you, you can't do it. But here it is. If you walk in the Spirit, there's a Spirit within us. There is a, there is a, a presence and a power within us that gives the victory. Galatians 5, verse 16, it says, I say, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So there are some black and white. If you don't want to do the naughty things, if you want to do the right things, walk in the Spirit. So, how do we walk in the Spirit? That is the million-dollar question. If anybody has ever done any music exams, um, part of what you have to do in some of them is like ear tests, where you have to train your ear to maybe hear particular intervals or particular timings, right? So there's a training you have to do to be able to pass your exams. Is there a training we can do to help us to walk in the Spirit? Well, let's go back to Paul's problem where he had, where things that he didn't want to do, he did, and things that he did want to do or should have done, he didn't. Now, he knew what those things were. The question is, do we know the things that we do wrong? There's pause for thought. Maybe we're sinless. Anybody sinless? <laughs> so we are aware of the things that we do wrong. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a list of the things that are in your heart or that in your situation that you do wrong. You know what's in your heart that's... Now, you know, I'm not saying you've been out murdering anybody or anything. And, you know, we'll look at a few things which maybe could, do qual qualify under it, right? But ultimately, the things that are sinful that we like to do, <laughs> the things that are sinful that we know we shouldn't do, we know them, right? Here's the thing. If you want to practice walking in the Spirit, the next time you're in that situation, what do you do? Do you do it? Do you walk away? When you walk in the Spirit, you do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, lusts of the flesh, you know, you can think of that maybe in a, uh, if we're meaning any sinful thing, you know, anything of the old man, anything of the old nature. So every time you go to do something wrong, there's an opportunity to say, I'm doing the right thing. As we do the right thing, every time we're walking in the Spirit, we're saying, I don't want what the inward man would do. I don't want what the flesh would do. I'm saying, I want to do the right thing. Some of the things it mentions uh, in Colossians chapter 3, but now you yourselves are put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. They're just some things. We know Jesus when he was talking, you know, people said, 
oh, well, you know, if you murder, oh, yeah, that's definitely breaking one of the commandments. But what did Jesus say? If you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, well, that falls into the bracket. You know, we might think, well, I've never committed adultery, but are you looking at somebody the wrong way? All those things Jesus expands out because they're things of the heart. And this is the opportunity we have to practice, as it were. We're training ourselves to walk in the Spirit because when the sinful ways come to us, we think, will I do it? Will I not do it? There's a battle going on, you know? And we all have had this in whatever thing you know, part of our nature or whatever we, you know, whatever sinful things we, we have went to do, where we have a chance to say, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to do the right thing. The more times you do the right thing, you're crucifying the flesh, you're walking in the spirit. This is the bread and butter of daily life. You might have opportunities before you leave this building today, you know, to sin, <laughs> you know, and what you think and what you say, you know, and there's not a big bubble above each of your minds that I can see what you're thinking, you know. God knows what's on your heart. God knows what's in your, your mind. God knows the way you take. And it's up to us to live the godly life. And the more we practice it, the more we say, right, I'm rejecting what would be wrong, then it builds that spiritual life. It'll start to reflect on it because every time you make a decision to do a godly thing, you're saying no to the flesh. The more we walk in the spirit, the more Christ-like we will become. That's what the world will see. They want to see genuine people. Of course, there's things that we know to do which are good that we don't do. So, I mean, obviously the things we shouldn't do, the sins, but there's things that we have to do that are good. Now... Does anybody ever struggle praying? It's a good thing, but do we pray as much as we ought? Does anybody struggle with, you know, reading the word about, you know, are we reading it continually? You know, is there more we could be reading? Is there things that we should be doing that we don't do? Is there times when we were able to support one another when we don't do it? Is there times when we say, oh, well, I just couldn't be bothered, you know? So there's things that are good, but yet we don't do them. So maybe about five o'clock tonight when you're thinking, will I go to church tonight or will I not? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll be thinking, it's a good thing. Is it a good thing to come to church? Yeah, well, no hands up. <laughs> so we're thinking, well, maybe, no, maybe, yeah, I'll watch the TV, maybe I'll, you know. Is there an opportunity to walk in the Spirit? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, is there a time when you can support a friend in need and we don't do it? Is there a time when somebody gives you an opening, like what Clifford was saying about when they ask him a question about what he's doing Sunday? He said, oh, well, no, I can't really talk about my faith, you know. Well, and you don't say anything. I mean, you know, we've probably all missed opportunities when we've had opportunities to witness, opportunities to speak forth the truth, and we don't, you know. But be encouraged, as you take those opportunities, you're walking in the Spirit, and you're saying no to the flesh that would say, no, you don't need it. You know, it's all right for the preachers to, to preach, you know, I don't need to do it. Everyone has a responsibility to declare the goodness of God, you know. So take the opportunities, do the good things, 
Again, I'm not going to give you, you know, a list of what you should and shouldn't be doing, but you know there's times when you make decisions when you could do something good, you should be something, you should be doing something, and you don't. So this is really how we train ourselves to walk in the Spirit, you know? You will have opportunities this day, I'm sure, tomorrow, throughout every day. And you may think, well, waiting, walking in the Spirit, no, I'm just waiting for Pentecost to come. I'm just waiting for this building to shake and revival to come, and then I can walk in the Spirit. What I'm saying to you, I'm encouraging you, you'll have opportunities every day of your life to crucify the flesh, to walk in the Spirit, because you'll have things where you shouldn't do, and you turn away from them, and things that you should do, and you run towards them. So that is the, the way and the, the aim we need to have, you know. So do the right things. Don't do the wrong things. And it's a very simplistic thing, and we have said to our, our kids, but to grow in spiritual terms, you know, we have to be challenging and thinking about those things so that we can develop our spiritual muscles. What can help us on all this, of course? Ephesians 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Of course, if you have no idea what's in the Word of God, if you are blasé about reading the Word of God, will the nature and the things of God become second nature to you? No, they'll not. But as we make those decisions, well, I do want to have a greater hunger for the Word of God. As you read more, as you think more about the things of God, will that affect and how you live your life? Absolutely. Because then it's like training your subconsciousness. If you know what the ways of God are, then the next time when you're in that sinful situation and a word comes to you from God or a verse comes to you or one of the songs comes to you, you're saying, yes, that'll help me overcome and we know as, 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 you know, Jesus has won the victory. The word is full of promises. The word is full of, of truth. And, you know, there's been many sermons preached here about the power of the word of God. You know, we know how important it is to get it into our hearts. And as we get it into our hearts, it'll outwork in our lives. You know, the word of God is central to everything. All that said, a lot of the battlefield is in our mind. You know, I have absolutely, again, no idea what you're all thinking, you know. How you take the words that you hear, how you live your life, what goes on in your heart. But you think things, and then a lot of the times you do the things. And we know even when, when a sinful thought comes to us, you know, because things will, uh, will come to our mind. It's how we deal with them. It's either we accept or we reject, like what we're saying. We have a chance to say, no, I'm not going to take that or do that simple thing. But a lot of it comes with how our mind is focused on the Word. Romans 8, again, uh, <laughs> verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject of the law, nor can it be. So the carnal mind, the selfish natures, 
you know, it is an enmity against God. So this is why we have to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. If you don't read your Bible from one week to the next, you know, your mind hasn't much chance to think about the things of the Spirit. And that's why every day, you know, and as you read, as you make it a priority, again, as you do, you say, yes, I will do a thing that's good. You know, as you make those decisions, then our mind is being renewed. Um, Ephesians 4.21, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your form, the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So a good way to help us in this, because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We want to walk in the Spirit. So set our mind on the Word of God. It will have an influence. It will help us when we're in those situations, when we decide to do the naughty thing or the right thing, to do the good thing or not do it. If the Word is within us, our minds will start to think, I'm going to do the correct thing. The power of the Word is awesome. Read it. Think about it. It'll have an effect. It'll bring life and strength to us. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, you know, and how we do think in our minds. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there are any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In all the things that we we do and all the things we think about, all the things that we watch, that we read, that we talk about. If it, if it fits these brackets, then we know we're walking in the spirit. If it's true, noble, just, pure, lovely, as these things would be our, our, in our daily routine, we're walking in the spirit, we're not walking in the flesh. Our minds become more subject to the word, of, the, the word of God. And if our minds are subject to the Word of God, then it gives us victory over what the old man would be. And that helps us to walk in the Spirit and not in the way of the flesh. One of the things, of course, is uh, when, we, when we read, and we did read about some of the effects of the, the Spirit uh, or the, the flesh, the positive side of that is the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22, and I'm reading it um, from the uh, Amplified, just particularly verse 22, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it says, the work which his presence within us accomplishes is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. But it's this first wee part of it, but the fruit of the Spirit, and it says in brackets, the work of his presence 
within us accomplishes, right? So the fruit of anything is the effect of what has grown, right? The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Spirit. It is what it has accomplished in our life. So if the Spirit is working in us, if the Spirit is able to accomplish something, then these are the things which will appear in our lives. You know, we will have the love, we will have the godliness, we will have the righteousness, we will be able to overcome the sins that trouble us, we will be able to make the right decisions because the Spirit is able to accomplish something in us because it's working within us. It's, again, it's not because we're trying to be, you know, have, uh, and, you know, all religions, you know, part obviously from Christianity, have this sort of, you know, try to be good, do the right things, you know, try your best, you know, work at it, and, you know, maybe climb this mountain and you'll be closer to God or whatever. But there is a work within us of the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit of the Spirit is something that's produced by the Spirit. So that's why we say walk in the Spirit, because it has benefits. It'll give us victory over the old man, but it will produce the fruit that the world will see. These people are genuine because there's a love, there's a godliness, there's a righteousness, there's a, a beauty about this people, you know, that the world will be able to see, yes, there's something about this person. Not because they've been super good of their own benefit, but because there's been a work in their life by Almighty God, the Holy Spirit. And that work within us, and that's what I'm trying to encourage you, we can develop that by the decisions we do every day. We're developing that walk in the Spirit. Some benefits, really, of walking in the Spirit, of course, it leads to effective witnessing. You know, as we walk in the Spirit, this idea of the world seeing us will become, as, as godly people, will become more and more evident. We saw that Paul had this uh, trouble in Romans 7 where he had this debate going on, and we, we, we've talked about it. He, he was struggling with it. At the end of Romans, uh, Romans 15, verse 19, it said, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Iconium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul was an effective evangelist by the power of the Holy Spirit. That power that, we're, that, that came upon Paul, and it is a work of the Holy Spirit, but that, and he says, the full gospel in mighty signs and wonders. Each one of us play our part. Wherever you are, you are the light in that situation. In your family, in your workplace, you know, you are the light in that situation. We have a call to walk in the Spirit so that light will shine out. But Paul was saying that by the power of the Spirit, so it's by the power of the Spirit that we do our outreach. It's by the power of the Spirit that we shine brightly. So that's why walking in the Spirit is so important that we are channels for this power. You know, if we're constantly been challenged in the point where, 
oh, you're in this decision, well, will it sin or will it not? And you do decide to sin. Of course there is forgiveness, yeah? But if we're constantly just rejecting to doing the good thing, and even when we're, we knew there's a good thing, we don't do it, if we constantly just do our own thing, because it is a choice. I mean, when you are coming faced with these choice, the things that we shouldn't do, you do them. It's a choice. If you're constantly rejecting the spirit within you, you know, we definitely become less effective in how we can be channels for the spirit to work. Because it's as if God's prompting us to do something and to make a decision, but we're saying, oh God, I prefer to do it my way. You know? But as we yield to the spirit, then we're really saying, I want to be in tune with you. I want to follow your way. And that is the best way to be an effective witness. Second Timothy has a, you know, an interesting uh, verse, uh, a couple of verses. Second Timothy three verse one. Going back to you know where it says that we have to be godly in our present age. But know this that in the last day perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good traits, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. You know, there is a power that's needed in these days. You know, we are God's people. We are the people of power. Does anybody remember the wee song? For I'm building a people of power and I'm making a people of praise that will move through this land by my spirit and will glorify my precious name. The response in it was, build your church, Lord. Make us strong, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord, through your son. Make us one, Lord, in the body, in the kingdom of your son. Build your church, Lord. Make us strong, Lord. For I'm building a people of power. We are the people of power. Be encouraged that the Spirit is within us. Be encouraged that we can walk in the Spirit. Train yourselves to walk in the Spirit. Day by day, hour by hour, seek to do the right thing. As we live in the Spirit, because so much as Christians, we want to know the mind of Christ. We want to know what is the right thing to do. And in life, we have the Holy Spirit. And I guess this is summed up as a close in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the maternal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are carnally discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We can have the mind of Christ as we walk in the Spirit, as we do those things which are spiritual. Be encouraged. There's much we can accomplish because the Spirit wants to work through us. Mm -hmm. The Spirit wants to 
work in our situations, we have a responsibility. You know, we can choose to crucify the flesh or follow the flesh. We can choose to do, keep doing the, the things which we like to do which are wrong, or we can choose to say the good things which we know to do, we will do them. Amen. 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 Father God, we do thank you for your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and, and visit each one of us. We pray you'd help us to be overcomers. You would help us to keep our eyes lifted up to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be working in each of our hearts and you would give us the strength to do the things that we should and not to do the things we shouldn't. We pray that you would work in each of our lives that we would truly be godly in this generation, that we would live our lives for you continually. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.